Welcome everybody to the Sean Donnelly list. <laughs> San Sean Donnelly. Uh, my dumb friends. We are here uh, with the hilarious Guy Brownham, who has been on, uh, whose album Effable is a New York Times album to buy, right? Yep. Jeez, you're blown up. Yeah. Doing great. Just got yeah. done right, Billy on the Street. Yes, I wrote for Billy on the Street. And then that, what's that Comedy Central show with the with the period piece? Did you uh, write for that? Another period, yes. Yes, you wrote for that too. Wow. Very exciting. You're like the Judd Apatow of our generation. No, I'm somebody who remains. I mean, the far less successful Judd yes. Apatow of our generation. I remain capably employed, but nobody's ever that excited about me. I think um, people are excited about you. We always have this. You always like, we message each other with our demons in the middle of the night. And uh, I always feel like things are going way better for you than you think they are. Oh, that's very kind of you. Bye. It is nice to. It is nice to remember. Sometimes people are like, "You always have a job," and I need, and I have to remember that. Uh, yeah, and then you like hear what I got going on, and you're like, "Oh yeah, I guess I'm doing okay." No, <laughs> I like creating shows. And well, stuff. I was, yeah. I, I guess I still am. Um, and now I'm like shooting myself in the foot just in case anyone I'm about to meet. This is interesting. The girl, um, and I, I won't talk about too much about this, but the girl that I my first crush ever. In uh -huh. fourth grade, that I gave her like the seashell present. Yes, I am pitching to her in two weeks. No, isn't that insane? Oh my god, that's crazy. It's so crazy. Oh, I forget because you're like, you're like Manhattan child, right? Like all of your. No, I'm. Uh, I'm. Well, she was in Jersey. It was in okay. Jersey. But I think that would be so funny. Like, how funny would that be if, like, the same day, <laughs> like, you know, because you always have that fantasy of like. When you're like in grammar school or, or middle school or high school and you're like picked on and you're like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, like, I'm going to, I'm going to prove, I'm going to go make it in show business. Right. And then cut to like 20 years, like, like uh, how many years later? And then just your show business dreams are being rejected by the same people. <laughs> you have to give her a note that says, do you want to pick up my show? Check one. <laughs> yes. No. Maybe. Yeah, I think so. We, we get along now. We're friends. So I'm hoping. Uh, Hoping it works out. We'll no see. one I met before. That really, I was that's really crazy, though, right? Seventeen has done anything of consequence with their life. You must they're, feel pretty good then. There, it's amazing. I showed up to my my high school reunion uh, unemployed, and it was like I'm still doing so much better than everyone else <laughs> here. I I went to high school with Rudy Mara and Kate Mara, so no, no yeah, that's were, crazy. We were it was public high school too. We were in plays together. Uh huh. Um and. Uh, in college, I was in college with Rami Malik, who's just on that Mr. Robot show. He's the uh -huh. lead of that. And Kelly Giddish, who's on One Otter. Where did you so. go to college? And Lennon Parnham, who's on that USA show. Yeah. She was actually a couple of years older than me. But uh, I went to college at the University of Evansville in Indiana. Uh -huh. it's, it was like a good theater school. Oh. So... Uh, so there's always been like I'm definitely not I'm definitely doing better than the guy with the nitrous oxide tank in his in his room and his, the room still in his parents' place, mm -hmm. but not like you know not Rooney Mara good, right? Which I don't think anyone in this room is ever going to get Rooney Mara good. No, unfortunately, you know she's very attractive. She's pretty attractive, yeah. Um, is she the one who had the dragon tattoo? She was, yeah. She was one of many. I've never done any inhalants. I'm, I'm proud of it's uh it's fun but it's like I don't know what, what's the most you've done uh what weed coke booze I mean just weed just, and booze just marijuana and alcohol really that's great I feel terrible like I feel guilty about it like that I haven't done like I'm gay I should have done ecstasy 
Um, I mean, dude, I go to meetings and like the fucking there's a whole scene you can get into in the gay community, the meth scene, the hardcore, especially like and then it translates to hardcore porn. Like the hard, I didn't know what hardcore was. And I was like, oh, it's meth fucking. I had no idea. Well, the thing is, is every guy I know, every straight guy I know who is in gay porn, like it's like, how did you get into gay porn? And the story always begins. A man arranged for me to owe him thirty thousand dollars. Like, <laughs> uh, like, yeah. Some guy was like, "Here, this is fun," and then thirty thousand dollars later was like, "You're gonna need to pay me back for that by fucking people on camera." Right. Um, it's almost like have you ever seen that movie Serbian film? One of no. the most fucked up movies ever. It's like uh, it's supposed to be a critique on like how in Eastern Europe really all uh, the economy is so shitty that you just got to sell your body. Right. Um, but it's this guy who was a porn star and he got to out of the business and this dude gives him an insane amount of money, but he won't tell him what the porn is. And it just gets more and more. Oh, that's interesting. Twist. Uh, yeah, by the end, it's like, I mean, by the end, you're just like, fuck this movie. Because the Czech Republic is like our twink basket. Like, yeah. that's where it all happens. I, think, I mean, it's for guys, too. Yeah. I mean, I think it's. That's I mean, straight kinda... guys, sorry. Oh, really? Um, I mean, that's like mail-order brides and shit, you know? But about math, like, in in San Francisco, it was always more just sort of, like, present. And so yeah. I, that was where I started stand-up. And so I would, like, I was pretty exclusively hookup-based. Like, I didn't even yeah. really go out with friends. And the number of times that some guy reproached me, I was like, who do you think you are? Not doing math. <laughs> like, what are you doing? You think you're up? better than this? Like the equivalent of that. You think you're better than this town guy? No, no it really was that. And there yeah. was something kind of charming about it. And the number of, like, the number of just like stupid sexual encounters I ended up getting into. Like, there was this one time where I had the guy's address. Yeah. And was getting ready to go. And was just like, one last thing. Do you have HIV or a boyfriend? <laughs> and he was like, both. And I was like, all right. I'm married to my AIDS. Yes. I, <laughs> I like to think of AIDS as a boyfriend for your DNA. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a tough one. You know, a friend of mine has, you know, it, that's a that's a rough call. You real, I mean, here's the thing is when you have an STD that's that intense, you know, you now can only have sex with people you love. <laughs> I feel like, you know, like, it, it's very hard to have casual sex anymore. It's true, but I mean, yeah. I don't want to HIV shame anybody. And the thing is, is people who are responsibly getting treated. Um, of course, of course. They have, like, super low viral counts and all of that. And um, also, I know a fair number of people who are just like, I'm going to be slutty for the next couple of months. I'm going to, do you know what PrEP is? No. It is basically it was an HIV cocktail that they figured out that if you take it if you don't have HIV, it can stop you from getting it, and yeah. it's not it's not great for your body, um, but you know it's better than having AIDS. So uh, I know a couple of guys who have just been like, I'm gonna go on prep for a while while I have the fun. Yeah, but I'm talking about when you have it, like you've kind of got it at that point. It's like I feel like it's got to be like. Hey, uh, this is a serious relationship. <laughs> Just because I, I mean, for me, if I had given somebody, right, I would fucking not be able to live myself. And I knew about it, I would be very upset, and I would feel so bad. The thing is, is I've totally had sex with guys who are HIV positive. I you're just, not, you're not like terrified of it. I mean, I am terrified of it. It's just when you're in that situation, it's very good to know everything. 
Right. Um, so that you understand. And just so you can get some ass from this podcast, STD-free right now. Yes. Okay. Sweet. Currently. Um, Looking after your dick here. Yes. Uh, but uh, no, just sort of the like, all right, well, we can have a good time, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the riskiest of good times. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. Just hand job. Hand job city. Yes. Yeah. Or a, I, a mouth if you have if you have nothing going on in there. I get cold sores, so I always get nervous about that. That's understandable. And uh, yeah, there's one girl uh, who told me eh, I don't want to actually get into that one. Um, but uh, STD free too, ladies. STD free too. Did I talk about last week doing that Kink.com show? I didn't. I did. Or any episode of the past two ones? Okay, cool. Thank you, Aaron. I did. A, I was in San Fran about two weeks ago, and I did. Shows at kink.com, mm-hmm. which is the um, the, the I didn't realize they had comedy shows there when they're and it was so because I'm so used to jerking off to that porn and uh, in the same room where they like you know it's basically bondage porn, yeah. but it was just so funny. And I'm like, because <laughs> I got one of the shows I did really well, and the other one I bombed, mm-hmm. and I was like, this is so much more humiliating than anything a girl has gone through. <laughs> This or anything a guy has gone through, like they have nothing. Some girl on a leash getting cum in her face is is so is so much less humility than me going like, "So you're from Cincinnati? What's that like?" <laughs> you know. No, I mean one of the wonderful things about stand up is like just how little dignity is involved. Like oh, none. It's, uh, yeah, and there's something nice about we have to earn all of the dignity that we get, and it can go really, really badly. But San Francisco was really fun because there were a lot of porn people around and like have you hooked up with a porn star yes i am going on a date with a adult film actress this really? evening at 10 p.m i'll um, tell you who it is afterwards how did you meet her twitter oh that's lovely yeah um very intelligent girl because i read some of her interviews afterwards um really 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 smart smarter than most of the probably the smartest girl i've gone out with in la maybe maybe i don't know i'm just well, I mean, there is, we have this presumption of what sort of yeah. like porn stars are like. And I know a lot of people who have like done it for five or six years and then gone to grad school and then been like, I'm done now. And I know guys who did it, went to grad school and then met some wealthy older gentleman who was like, come with me. <laughs> but uh, that's the dream. I uh, like going from working at G4 where. You know, we had fans, but they were all like sad kids, you know, sad 17 year olds in Tennessee. It's working on Chelsea lately. Which is my demo, yeah. Uh, But like, say what you like about Chelsea lately. Gay porn stars. I I really like Chelsea. Yeah, they do. That was, it was really, really wonderful. It was great for you. To just have like boys be bouncing over and be like, hey, I want you to pay attention to me. And the way I've learned that I can earn attention is with my butt. And um, you are like, you would be, you would be, if you were a straight guy with that, you would have so many blogs written about you at this point. Why? Because <laughs> you would be like, you would be like the, the disturbing trail of Guy Brownham with different like hot women in the business. Oh no. Well, like, you sounded like the gay version of Michael Bay just. <laughs> okay. Well, first of all. I really look forward to knowing what the boys who are on my Cosby cover will look like. <laughs> you know, maybe they'll just be sitting on chairs with dignity like the Cosby women. Maybe it'll be a fun pool scene. Maybe it'll be something like They're on yoga win- balls. Winter Wonderland. <laughs> um, but also, there is... 
there is a lot of freedom that comes with uh, a, an entire sexuality where mostly nobody gets raped. Like right. once you are in a game where everybody is there, like you know, and and man on man sexual violence is a thing that happens, but so much less, and there isn't sort of like the the cultural power disparity. So that you have people who are a lot more willing to just, you know, make silly choices. It's also, there's another thing, too, where it's like a guy can fight back. Right. And I think that's intrinsic. Like, you may be able to, um, you, may, you may be able to overpower and rape a guy, but odds are he's going to fuck you up a little bit, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, I mean, more than the practicalities of that is just sort of like the the culture and the approach of, of not having to fear. Like, the thing of, I, and I've had... Um, after like years, like ten years of hookups, yeah, I finally had a situation that was kind of bad with somebody coming over. But just that thing of like showing up to a stranger's house, not really knowing what's going oh, to go it's on, so scary. And then uh, so that one news anchor died in New York. Really, what happened? This dude. It was uh, he met some dude on there who uh, you know he was really into being tied up, and sometimes he would fucking. And I know actually Kevin Allison, he went on our show and talked about this, but. He would just like like leave the door open, mm-hmm. be tied up completely, and yeah. have a dude come in, not knowing the guy. Insane. So anyway, it was like a situation like that where the guy came in and and murdered this dude. That's terrible. It is fucking terrifying. What's the closest you've like? What's what's the fastest you? Well, I guess you, I guess you've done that through online but i'm just saying like what's the fastest you've been able to pick a guy up like you just pick him up off the street or anything like that i mean there have been a couple of times when i just i mean the thing is i'm not the most attractive person so it usually has been somebody recognizing me right but one time i it's so stupid i like in new york bars staying open until four is just a magical magical thing yeah, yeah. and like i met this kid at the club who was kind of dumb and from upstate. And then we went back to my hotel room and we messed around. And then it was still just like 1.30 and my friends were still out. So I was walking back to the club and then there, this kid recognized me and was like, hey. And I was like, all right, do I have this in me? And then we just went back to my place and oh, that's messed awesome. around. That's it was wonderful. Great. So you think that with the one guy who was used to come over, that's like the dumbest sexual situation you've gotten into as far as like your personal safety? Yeah, I mean, it was, this was again New York. It was yeah. while I was there for Totally Biased. What a magical place, huh? It is. And I um, invited a guy over and it was just, I was on like the edge of a sketchy neighborhood and so I grinded him over. Yeah. And then um, he was like, going through my stuff when I was in the bathroom washing cum out of my mouth. Right. And I was like, hey, what the fuck is going on? And he had my wallet, and we, like, got into a scuffle. Oh, my um, God. And he got away with my with stuff. With your wallet? Yeah. but Do you report that or no? I did, and the police were so unhelpful. The police were just like, well, what you boys do is what you boys do. And it was like, You're right. fuck Ugh. you. Um, but I had to show up to work the next day with like a black eye and stuff. Wow. And I had to figure out something better than my trick got surly. Yeah. Um, so that was, and you're it was, about to say it. And then the guy from totally biased comes in and is like, okay, we're canceled. Yes. <laughs> you're like, oh, saves me. Um, it like, it was, um, 
you know, there's just there's, sometimes you're in those moments and you're like, well, I could die here. Like yeah. I should not have put myself in this situation. Oh, you never know, man. You never know. I recently I messaged a girl and uh, we used to message and then her, you know, ex ex. I mean, oh, her current boy. I didn't know she had a boyfriend. He he messaged me, hey faggot, stay away from my girl. First of all, I'm like, you know, don't use the word faggot. Second off, don't uh, like that doesn't even logically make sense with what you're saying, you right. know, like. Uh, but I, I didn't. How am I supposed to know that, you know? And I think that's the problem when you meet people online. Hopefully, that wasn't offensive. I just used that word in that context. Um, I, 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 I think that's the problem when you meet people online. You never know what you're gonna get. You never know. No, and I mean, it's the weird thing of, like, getting to know somebody. Everybody is able to do at least a passable job of making themselves seem normal at the beginning. Right. But it's like, how how no, Unless you're a comedian, and then they're like, is this a high-functioning autistic person? I know, but that's the nice thing about comedians is, like, yeah. you just get out of the way what's weird about them. Like, one of the nice things about working at G4 was, like, nobody was great at socialization. Like, nobody was, yeah. you know, everybody was messed up, and so... If I was having a conversation and it was going poorly, I was like, this isn't entirely me. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it, it really, yeah, it's, it's very tough. And especially that's like one of the uh, funniest things about like when you go to a festival and then you see like comics trying to talk to industry and it's just like a dog trying to walk on its hind legs. It's right. the most awkward thing I've ever seen in my life. But you were, we were at Karen Jarrah's wedding and I didn't realize you used to farm. Well, it's insane. Yes. And you got a present every time the harvest came in? Yes. It's some children of the corn shit. And then you became a lawyer and then you became a comedian. This is like, this is the weirdest biopic that's ever going to happen. Well, I was a child, so I mean, I wasn't saying farm. You were forced to farm. Well, I mean, I was forced to pick up almonds. Like, I was forced to just. Dude, I just read a Chris Hedges book where that's like one of the depressing chapters in it. Oh, <laughs> really? Like, well, yeah, it's called uh, uh, Days of Revolt, Days of Something. He's the most depressing guy. I don't know ever. who Chris Hedges is. He's an he's an excellent writer. He's a uh, you know he's, I mean I wouldn't even I, I don't even know where I I would guess he's a socialist. He's definitely a socialist. Tom, hi. Hey, how are you? Uh, I'm Guy I'm Brown interrupt, is here. I'm, I'm interrupting the uh, Tom's our producer. Show. Yeah, exactly. We're, finally, we're moving Sean uh, Sean out of here. But um, but yeah, the whole chapter was about how whittle you can make picking tomatoes which i'm sure almonds is better yeah um but though my grandparents when they came here from arkansas uh they worked in the tomato fields oh my god what a what a rough job to florida too yeah no um like there's a lot of there's a lot of shitty shitty farm work in my hometown also it was so funny the first time i was aware of factories that worked all year long i was just like that's so crazy because a factory in my head is a thing that works for six weeks while the prunes are coming in or while the tomatoes are coming in. Done. Tom, what is going on over there, dude? What am I? What, what are you uh, doing? Nothing. I'm oh, sitting right here. There was a weird sound. Do you Tom, hear that? Yes. Tom, where are you? I am in western New England in the Berkshires of Massachusetts. Oh, really? Yes. Are you starting a, like a, an experimental farm there? Are you starting a socialist commune? I do have a number of uh, vegetable planters that I made out of cedar. Um, And yes, we grow a bunch of our food. Yes. That's beautiful. What's the closest women's college to you? Um, (laughs) 
It it unfortunately is the horror show known as Smith College in oh. Northampton, Massachusetts. Hey, you don't fucking talk that way about <laughs> Smith College. Just, Tom just bombed at Smith, so now he has a resentment <laughs> against him. Yes, it was horrible. I, and to be fair, I tried to hit on a girl from Smith once, and she was uh, she she was she did not like it. She struck you with her lacrosse stick. Yeah, she was. <laughs> she hit me over the head with a copy of The Awakening, uh, and then I and then I I went to sleep. All right, that's a terrible, funny reference and then terrible punchline. Uh, so, so then after that, you came to law school and then you came out in law school, right? I did not come out into law school, which was a very stupid choice. I had been an undergrad at Berkeley. Why? Well, yeah, because it, you said like it was conservative, right? So you're you're. Friend, your parents probably wouldn't have supported it if you were, no right? my, my parents are still terrible about it but um the the thing is is that i had been at berkeley for four years and really should have just like oh yeah you know, you're an idiot just done it there so did you and, you didn't hook you were just a virgin until that point I was just a virgin until that point. you didn't have any like secret sexual accounts. no and everybody tells these stories about like getting and you've never been with a girl no getting fucks in the cornfields or whatever that they were doing and it's like yeah it's crazy to realize the like people in my high school, like the guys who were gay. Yeah. Or even just sort of when you hear stories about people who like hooked up with somebody, like it's like, oh God, if I just tried to touch somebody's dick when they were 14, when we were both 14, not when yeah. I was an adult and they were 14, like they you hear that, lawyers? They right. probably would have been fine with it because we all just want our dicks touched when we're fourteen. Yeah, I mean, a buddy of mine, he would just like blow his straight friends. Like, I mean, yeah. I got, I've gotten blown by guys, so I, you know, I can't, can't complain. Um, but uh, I think that makes me more straight in a lot of ways. Um, I don't know about that, but <laughs> who's really gonna argue with getting a blowjob? Like, no, not at all. I, I have completely done the game of like. Do you oh, like going down on guys more or getting blowjobs more? Okay, here's a lovely story. Yeah. So after I came out and I started on, like, you know, my sexual rumspringa, like my, like, little journey <laughs> of adventure, um, one of my friends told me, like, because in the beginning I would blow them and swallow every time because it right. seemed rude not to. And he was like, people will think you're slutty if you swallow. And you, there are guys who will just blow you and you don't have to reciprocate. And I was like, that's magical. And I spent like six months just getting head and oh being like God. on your way. And it was wonderful. And then I came to this moment of like, I miss the taste of dick. Yeah. And I, there's something nice about sort of like realizing like, no, I do like it. Like it is a thing that I enjoy doing and God knows I enjoy receiving. But um, right. it's, uh, it's fun to do. I, I definitely like going down on girls. I actually felt a little bit like a slut a couple weeks ago. I, I uh, hooked up with somebody, and uh, and then she went she went down on me. I went down on her, or vice versa. I forget what it was. Then I tried to kiss her afterward, and she's like, "Gross." And I'm like, "It's kind of like a you don't slut shame me, you know?" <laughs> yes, but I mean, I kind of understand what she's saying. My beard was just like filled with it, but it's weird. Would you want to make out with a girl whose mouth was full of your cum? I've done it before because I felt bad. You okay. know, I feel bad. I just think it's like kind of like a, it's a weird move to okay. not do it. But there is something very but magical. Yes, I, I don't love it. Yeah. Back to your previous point about telling a straight guy, like, hey, hey, just look at some porn. Just look at some porn that's for you. And, um, like, it feels magical because straight guys are worth more. Um, and also knowing that he is looking at real heterosexual sex is kind of hot. But then if I have to see the women at all, it makes me sad. 
Oh, because you feel bad for the women? Yes. Like, there's just... I tried to do a joke for a while about how in gay porn, even when the gay guys are supposed to be scared, they never seem scared. But in straight porn, the women always... Like, it's just so sad, and the noises that they make are so sadly performative. It's like... Right. I don't want to hear that you're trying to make me feel good about this. Like... Right. Well... I enjoy it, but uh, I I do think it can. Uh, if you watch enough porn, it can it can definitely fuck you up just because you don't. You're all of a sudden then you're you find that you're playing like follow the move, you yeah. know. How do you mean? I mean you're like oh I saw this in a, like every single movie oh. you guys do or like fucking gay porn is so unimaginative about what goes on. Like it really is. Like you make out blowjob one way, blowjob the other way, and then like. Some ass licking, like if it's going to be sort of like reciprocal, like even sort of like the positions in which they ass fuck, you are so frequently just going through the same list of activities and it is sad. Do you eat ass or no? Of course. Yeah, me too. You guys don't. I don't. Why not? Tom doesn't have sex. Yeah, there's that. And you wouldn't do it? No. Why not? I I don't I don't want hepatitis. Is that well, I guess yeah, that's right. Hep C. Hep C. That's how you get hep C. The world is full of risks. Um <laughs> your body is going to decay and be destroyed very soon. It is. Why no, not, yes. Why not have some <laughs> why not have some fun with it? It was a thing I never understood until the boy I lost my virginity to came over to my house. And I saw his little butt, and I was, it had never crossed my mind as a thing that would be interesting in any way. And yeah. then I was like, I would like to do this. And he was like, no. You know why I do it? Because I'm an American, Tom. And that's what Americans do. Well, also, I would just like to make the point that gay guys understand that there is some stagecraft involved in a butt being used for sex. Um, and I know that girls are pretty good at. Keeping everything nice and tidy. Yeah, they're pretty good. I mean, I fucking pity the fool who ever eats my ass, but uh, it's been through a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, too many Arby's trips. Uh, let's not go. Let's <laughs> let's not let's not go there. Uh, <laughs> one of the things you're uh, one of the things I noticed about it's kind of funny when like there's a huge controversy that comes out, like uh, a Supreme Court or something like that, because you actually know what you're talking about. Does it infuriate you? Because all right, everybody, guy used to be a lawyer. Does it infuriate you? Or went to law school? I don't know yes. if you made that. I'm barely out. practiced. You barely practiced, practiced for like six months. That's fucking crazy, though. Like, is there now when you're um? But could you represent me now? No, I like legally. I'm not talking about if you were capable. Of you it. have to do ongoing legal education that I have not done at this point. I would have to take the bar again. Wow, wow. Yeah. Um, but like, is it infuriating when you're seeing people post about like? Uh, Supreme Court rulings, even on the left, you know, or side you agree, and they have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah, and I mean, the thing is, is that uh, a mostly it's just when I'm working at a, a TV network and I'm having to deal with legal notes from lawyers who are went to worse law schools than I did. Where'd you go? Uh, I went to the University of Minnesota, which right. is, I mean, it's top twenty. It's not amazing, but like it's Good. solid. Yeah, um, and Brock Lesnar went there, I think. He did. He did while I was and there. So did Pete Lee. Oh, really? I don't know who Pete Lee is. Pete Lee's a comedian. Um, um, him and Brock actually lived next to each other. Oh, really? Did you know Brock? 
Uh, I did not know Brock. I just knew that there was a magnificent lump of muscle who was there. And you attracted a Brock? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Deeply. Um, I, like, when, like, an E or a G4 w- would have, like, lawyers push back mm-hmm. about parody or something like that, and I would be like, no, this is fine. Like, uh, and they would not listen, and that was annoying. And then there's also just the way that, like, being a lawyer really, or like being legally trained, like impacts your worldview on some things. Right. Um, like, do you love the law? I do. Yeah. Like, I most people I know who practice it obviously love it. I have like a real respect for the structure and the terms of it, and sort of like the way um, the American legal system reflects on our political culture. And it was one of yeah. the reasons that I, you know, like when there were people on the left who were saying, fine, I don't care about the Charlie Hebdo thing. That really pissed me off because I'm like, we can only say everybody gets to criticize everybody and don't whine about being criticized if some shit is not off the table. Like, killing people is frightening people out of talking. And so, like, that's horrible. And it was really just ridiculous that... uh, I tell you, it's, you know, I always get like... You know, like, it, it, it's always a conscious reminder for me, like, when I see that, and this is, like, I guess very primitive, but, like, when I see, like, an ISIS beheading, and, like, it does, like, or it goes some, in something very intrinsic and deep into me, and I go, like, no, they are different, and then I've got to, like, in my head be like, no, this is a small group of people, I mean, it's not a small group of people, and they're freaking running a rock, but it's it's not everybody over there, we have, I mean, look at the, I mean, look at the Inquisition, we've had our own bullshit, um, look at people who bomb abortion clinics, but it's hard because when you see that, you know, I think it's the same thing. Like, for instance, like if you've ever been mugged by whatever particular race, which I, I have been, um, and, uh, I've been, uh, I've been beaten up twice. Uh, and, uh, one of which was my fault. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, like, you know, you have that like day, you're that day thing where you're like, am I racist? Cause all the thoughts that I'm thinking right now are the ones that, <laughs> <laughs> right. like, and then you've almost got to like intellectually train yourself again well, into I mean, being like, all right, no, because the, of this, because I know this person. You well, know? it's the thing of you can individualize these acts by white guys bombing abortion clinics because you're a white guy and there are a lot of white guys in your world. And when it's somebody else, you really are like, eh. but two points. First thing is I had to come to a point of realizing I can only be a cultural relativist to a point Mm -hmm. because there comes a point where other people's cultures do not want to respect my culture right oh it's like when somebody where i'm like no you shouldn't like if you're if you're going to school you shouldn't like i i respect if a french school is like hey take that burger off i know that's like fucked up to say that but i'm like no because here's the thing is that like if you're gonna live in a a civilized society you don't treat women like like that well it's an interesting point because um Restrictions against wearing religious garments affect Jews, and so I was taught to taught to think about it a lot when I was younger. Yeah. Um, and that, Are you Jewish? Yes. Oh, cool. And that is a way that sort of like... Jewish farmer. Yes. Jesus. It's very strange. What is it's almost like network casting created you. It's like, we want a farmer, but we also need a gay guy, and let's make him Jewish, and he's a lawyer. Network casting doesn't like me. <laughs> um, but... Um, like, you know, it is a thing of like Christianity does not have those kinds of requirements. So it's very easy for France to kind of ignore that. But what's weird is the way that France and Germany do have these rules 
that basically because they had to knife fight with the church to control their own state they have a lot of stuff of like no you can't have a church wedding before you have a civil wedding we're in charge of weddings i didn't know that or the way that um turkey is almost just like france and it's sort of like, no, you can't wear a headscarf if you're going to college because, like, we had to hardcore modernize this state. The thing is, is, like, I cannot respect, oh, that's yeah. just their way when they're still imprisoning gay guys. Like, you know. Right, when I, you're throwing gay guys off a building, see. And even even short of that, just the thing of, like, I can't go to the United Arab Emirates. I would never go. And a lot of people are like, but you'll be fine. You're an American. I'm not fucking going to the United Arab Emirates. I'm not going to any of the countries where it is still a death penalty crime to have sex with another man. That's fucked up. Right. Um, and I, I like liberalism. I like respecting other people's opinions, but not to the extent that they decide they their opinion is to not respect mine. Right. No, it's not it's not an Islamophobia if you can murder me. Right. Um and you know. but about the about the sort of like individualization of things, it's interesting to talk to other comics. Like I was talking to Louis Katz and he was getting really annoyed with people saying white male comics. And he's like, I, I'm not a white like I'm just a person and I try to see people as people. And it's like yeah, but you're aware of black comics. You're aware of gay comics. You yeah. have thoughts about these things, and you're just used to white guys being so the norm and having such a situation of specificity that you never have to be looked at that way. Here's here's why I get annoyed. Like, just personally, he's this straight white male. Uh, and, and don't get me wrong. It's only a recent development that I've been annoyed. It's never It's never because we've been killing it for a very long time in the uh-huh. entertainment business. Yes. But um with the past couple of years, I think anyone in the right mind would have to say like, "Hey, there are way more opportunities for women in comedy. There are way more opportunities than uh minorities in comedy." So it's like there's a part where I'm like, "Okay, that's great. That's awesome." But can you stop fucking bitching about it a little because it's hard for me. I mean, when I tried to get staffed this year, I mean, I got like a a quarter of the interviews that I got last year just because, you know, they were like saying like, hey, we're not looking for straight white guys. I'm not bitching about that. I think it's great that there's shows like Broad City. I think Black is just great. I think all these shows are great. That's awesome. I just also don't want to have to read blogs saying that I have it way easier than you. That's that's what I get annoyed at. Well, I would respond by saying um, new faces at Montreal going from being two women in 30 to five women in 30 still means men have it better even right. though it's gotten better uh, you know um and look i say this as somebody who largely <laughs> gets the short end of both sticks i'm not chill tight bros with like the guys yeah, in but charge you also work consistently i work consistently and it's because you're but talented. I'm, it has nothing to do with the But I'm nobody's concept of diversity. There's nobody who's ever in a room who's like, ugh, we absolutely have to have a, a gay guy Well, that's here. just ageism. <laughs> like, you, I, I mean, like, I've been working, you know, like, I, I've worked with, like, right now, even as 31, I've been told I'm too old for, you know, certain things. I think that you just age out of shit, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, my God, it's gone. No, how yeah. how is ageism affecting the fact that um, the, the point that I was making is that, right. like, Nobody's concept of diversity right. includes an idea that you should have, even in shows where 
gay guys are significant characters. Like in Looking or something. Well, no. I mean, Looking, of course, had had gay writers because it was yeah. cre- it was created to be a gay show. But like, you know, New Girl or... I mean, uh, New Girl or oh, I mean, the best example is there was a show called Happy Endings that had of the six main characters, one of them was gay. They had no gay writers. And they had a joke on the show, which clearly indicated no one understood the mechanics of two how how two men fuck. Um, Somebody fucking somebody's ear. <laughs> well, no, they were just like they implied that you could not look each other in the eye while fucking, and it was like fuck you. Right. But what I'm saying is, my my point was simply nobody's reaching out a kind hand saying, "Hey, you've been." systemically marginalized from participation in this system right why don't we help you out but i still understand why that needs to happen for other people because you know it and there are there are crazy things about it like i was watching an episode of maude that was so smart and it was like about florida and her husband and it was like such interesting commentary on race but just going back to the place of this was all written by old Jews, you know? Yeah. And there's your point of ageism. Also, it it, it kind of pisses me off. I, like, I really respect that uh, Leslie Jones, that yeah. SNL was able to say, this woman is 47. She's funny. But her? she's good because we're going to use her because, like, opportunities did not exist for Leslie Jones when she was 24 and she would not have been the adorable she was supposed to be at 24 it took time for the world to come around to be ready for leslie jones to be on tv so don't fucking hold it against her that she's 47 and i feel that way so emphatically like i i'm pissed off about it because i was busy doing the work of helping chill everybody out about this to get to a point where we were comfortable having gay guys on these things and i mean Still to this day, I mean, older than, like, more established than me, Liedman, or or Adomian, like, there's not an out gay stand-up man who's been around. Who's been killing it. Yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, like, it, it, well, yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. Well, maybe I stand corrected then. Mateo? Mateo Wayne, but he's... Mateo is not older than us. He's not older than us. I'm sorry. Yes. (laughs) I mean, it's basically, there's Todd Glass, but that's because he was closeted for, you know, right. 30 years. Uh, uh, Todd Glass. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. No, you know what? You're, you're totally right. And I, I feel like that, and I will say this, I feel like a lot of the uh, gay guys that get, like, pushed forward, at least in the 90s, early 2000s, it's like, it's like you, know, well, you know, he's a talented guy, but Mario Cantone, where it's, like, clearly, like, oh, this is a conception of what a straight woman wants from a gay guy you know what i mean like it almost feels like it's very also a lot of the time it was like this broadway guy is sassy why doesn't he tell some jokes right right no uh, totally true um and no eddie is or doesn't count everybody um which i thought he was gay for a while and i found out he wasn't uh he is a cd what is it is that what it's called cross-dresser we do not say transvestite anymore it's a cross-dresser. Is that something? I didn't know that. Yes. The tra- but now I know. Trans community loves to teach us terms. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I know. You know what? I, I stand corrected on some of this stuff. But I, I, lo- I love to stand correcting people. Hey, I am stand, all. Which am, you know. 
Dan and I, one like the the magic of our late nights uh, DM mm. sessions are their frankness, but also their respect. I, there is respectfulness for yes. me. Uh, and I, for I, me. And I and I think that yes, and I think that you do you make a point. I guess I just get annoyed. You know, I think it maybe just comes down to simply, <laughs> it's like, well, guys, I'm going through shit too. Come on, you know, right. I think it goes yeah. simply as that. You know, it's not like. But, you know, it's a hard fucking business. This is a luxury business. That's what people forget. Um, we got to have you back. I got to head out. Good to be here. Thanks uh, for having you were, me. Wait, wait. We got to pop shit. Right. Um, you, you and me are both going to be at High Plains this weekend. Yes, we're going to be at the High Plains Comedy Festival. And then also, in October, I will be in Indiana. If Where? You were in near- Comedy Attic? Yes, I will be at the Comedy Attic. Oh, it's a great club. In Bloomington, Indiana. And Who's opening should- for you? I have no idea. Okay. Uh, and you should buy my album. Effable, yes. available on iTunes. Tom, you've listened to it? Yes. Oh, that's very that's kind of you. good, right? Yes. Big fan. Oh, thank you so much. That's very kind. Tom's a huge comedy guy. Yes. Um, yeah, I loved you. I loved you on G4. And oh, it's, and, and so I would love to have, we'd love to have you back. Oh, uh, it's lovely. Thank you so much. <laughs> Can you imagine yeah. now, like, Tom just got like one bullet in a gun? <laughs> He's like looking at a picture of his dead wife. We always like that was a joke we always make. Like when one of our friends get complimented, great set, and they would go around the corner and just blow his head off or something. Oh, well, lost in translation. Um, but before we go, can we all just go through our preferred method of suicide? Oh, fucking morphine, dude. Hundred percent. I mean, like, al- who else would fuck? Why? Why else would you pick another way? I always thought that the best would be. Shouldn't you just heroin yourself to death? Yeah. But conceptually, I really like rocks in your pockets and then walk into the river. Wait, do you know how painful that would be? I know. It would be po- It would be funny to watch poetic. You see him like go into the, and then all of a sudden, like ten seconds later, it's like, <laughs> you know. I know, but you wanna you want no homage to one of the good ones of the past. Tom preferred suicide method. Uh, staying I, in a marriage. Exactly. There you go. I, I, the, the rocks and the river, or, or it depends on how cold the water is. You know, the Spalding right. Ray kind of jumping in freezing oh, water. You go Christ, numb you are... pretty fast. That's, well, Spalding Gray was trying to create his mom's suicide. Yeah. Let's yeah. leave on that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the My Dumb Friends podcast. Here's where you can see our host performing live this week. As Dan said, in this episode of the podcast, he will be at the High Plains Comedy Festival in Denver, Colorado. So go to highplainscomedyfestival.com. There's a page that has all the performers listed. You click on Dan and you'll see which shows he is on. There's plenty of other really hilarious folks who have been on our podcast at that festival. So just try to see them all, but especially Dan, since he'll be there. And Guy's in there as well. It's it's a, a comedy cornucopia, as they say. After this weekend, Dan will be back in Los Angeles for more shows. You're going to want to go to danstgermain.net and check out his schedule for show days and times. Sean Donnelly is performing in and around New York City. Go to SeanDonnellyComedy.com to see his show listings and times. He'll be back on the podcast next week. We promise he'll be there. Also want to put a big shout out and thank you to folks who have written to us and donated in the past week or so. Uh, 
Daniel R. Gant, a very uh, funny correspondent of ours, wrote in again a couple times. Please send us a note to mydumbfriendspodcast at gmail.com. We're saving these up for a mailbag episode coming up in the near future. Also, a huge thank you to Jeff. I'm not going to say his last name, but Jeff C. Thank you for your donation. We can always use more. Helps us pay for gas. Helps us pay for equipment. Uh, So head over to our Tumblr page to get our link. Go to mydumbfriendspodcast.tumblr.com and there's a safe and secure link there to do a PayPal transaction. Thanks again. We'll be back next week, everybody. Father, I know when I've been beat And I still have another round left in The My Dumb Friends Podcast is part of the All Things Comedy Network. For other cool comedy podcasts, go to allthingscomedy.com. Lift me Our opening and closing song is called Mary the Boxer by Phil Pickens. You can find out more about Phil at philpickens.com. <laughs>